This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to this, an Ask Brothers Rantcast, an Ask Bros OG. And we've uh, we've lost Toby. We've we've kicked the dead weight today for the other half of the the Ask Bros OG because Toby has gone on holiday and uh, failed to take his computer or his microphone with him for any of the podcasts that we do over the Christmas period. So I rang him up and I said, Toby, I'm going to get Darren on. He said, that's all right. He said, you get Darren on. I like Darren on. And I sent him a message. I said, Mike's coming on as well. And he said, well, Mike's a cunt, but hopefully Darren can save the show. So we're all good. We're all (laughs) laughing. I'm in the future. It's the day after Boxing Day night. Uh, You two fuckers have just woken up after Boxing Day. So day after Boxing Day morning. Uh, who's got a sore head? Who overindulged in Christmas? Darren, I guarantee you, you overindulged. I'm still overindulging. Mike, this is uh, this is the podcast. I've listened to this one. This is where just Max just talks nonsense and occasionally his brother chips in with something cool and then Max just talks over him. So I don't suppose we, uh, <laughs> we've got much to say today, have we? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. And uh, this is the thing, isn't it? It's the uh, Ask Bros OG. So really, it's the uh, Ask Bros Max show. Because Toby yep. can't get an urge in Edgeways because this cunt won't shut up. That's bullshit. Toby goes on <laughs> fucking like 17-minute monologues and needs to be cut off at some point. What? So that's my, get, that's the my fuck, get the fuck out of here, mate. You, so, you, ask a, you, life, you make mate. a statement within a question, within a statement, within a question, within another fucking long-ass statement. And I'm not <laughs> wrong because you're not answering. <laughs> this is the quietest. You've done it. It's because I'm I'm taking a sip of a 2012 Villapolicelli Rossio, which is, I've pulled a good bottle of wine out of the cellar. So That's a red wine for those of you you who don't speak Australian, that's a red wine. Yeah, red, red, red wine, red wine. Um, So anyway, we should probably talk about about football. Uh, I'll just stick to my coffee. It's not like quite that time where I can say it's five o'clock somewhere. Well, it is the it is the opposite, (laughs) isn't it? Because usually it's me at seven o'clock in the morning with a coffee, and Darren's the one who's half cut comparing footballers to different fucking bottles of gin for fifteen minutes of a podcast. (laughs) Wondering why no one fucking listened past the seventeenth minute of that podcast on the metrics because people all thought he was a fucking demented cunt. But anyway, it's nice to see that the tables have. That the tables have turned. Um, and Arsenal Chelsea, the Christmas present that I said that none of us expected, except for one person in the room, Darren, <laughs> who said that we would win 4 0. And Darren, there was a point in that game where that looked very likely, very oh, likely a 4 0 win. Obviously, uh, uh, it was close. And when El Nini hits the bar, I'm thinking 4-0, I can't wait to see you miserable twats because I'm going to give you some. <laughs> oh, you're, we're going to lose 3-1, we're going to lose 3-0. And I, I nearly got the 4-0. Mind you, I can also say I have never in my, I don't know what, 45, 50 years of watching this club, I have never, ever been so nervous watching a game as I was when we were 3-0 up. I mean, mm-hmm. 3-0 up. <laughs> and I'm nervous. I can't. I couldn't sit down. I was wandering around the house, smoked about 50 cigarettes during it. Oh, nightmare. I've got to admit, Mike, I um, I said to Manny in our group chat today, because Manny's quit watching the football. 
he decided it wasn't good for his health and he's quit watching the football. He decided he's going to come back after January. And I said to Manny in the, the group chat, I said, you missed, I, I know it wasn't an important, like an important game. I know it wasn't a cup final game, but it felt like that to me for the entire game. From the moment the penalty gets called and the first goal gets in, I was like, this is it. This, this is our moment. Like we have to hold on to this moment. I was jumping around the kitchen and carrying on. Mum's telling me to shut the fuck up. Victoria's telling me to shut the fuck up. I forgot I was wearing headphones at one point and jumped up and flipped the computer over. So I actually missed the penalty going in because I was so excited that the fucking computer smashed on the floor and I had to reload the whole thing. And um, Mike, we, the, people have had, I, I, I guess, really mixed, really mixed emotions to to this game from. I guess people immediately coming out with negativity after the game, which I was quite—I was quite surprised by. I was quite surprised by the amount of negativity that I saw from people saying, "Well, we saw this at Man U, and we saw, you know, what happened after Man U." I guess my question to you is, you know, do you leave this game now? Feel what the fuck are you laughing about? I'm laughing because Mike got it so right. You said, you said, Mike, and then there's 15 minutes of you rambling on without a question in it. And I also like the fact that when you said Victoria's having a go at you, I thought, well, that's one state. You wait soon, the whole of Australia can have to tell you to shut up. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's what usually happens anyway. But Mike, emotions after the game chuffed, obviously. You're on mute, you cunt. <laughs> I I know, well, you went on for that fucking long. I had to mute it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy as Larry, mate, with it. To be honest, I'm, I'm really chuffed with that. I thought it was a great game, uh, the best, best I've seen us play for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm the same as Darren. No, when we was three 0 up, I did get quite nervous, uh, especially when they started to break on us in the second half. But overall, yeah, it's probably one of the best football games this season I've seen Arsenal play. Mm. Dazza, I'm going to throw a couple of names out just at the group and we're just going to talk about the names because there were definitely some performances that were unexpected and some performances that have been long awaited. Um, so the first name I want to throw out at you, Darren, is Granite fucking Jacker because I want to handle this early and I want to handle this, this up front. My hero. So, I had, him, I had him for man of the match. I thought he was everywhere. I thought it was his best game I've seen in Arsenal shirt in a long time. And I put out a tweet afterwards saying, this is why we have to get rid of him. He's a cunt. Yeah, um, I read your tweet last night and uh, I sort of kind of agree with your sentiments. What I don't get is just how good he was because even, I think you mentioned last night that you know, we, we we get these performances from him every now and again when he when he needs one, when he needs to get the fans back on side. But that was above and beyond anything he's ever done for the club. He was getting the ball, he was winning the ball, he was knocking forward passes with the outside of his boot. Forget the goal. That's just you know, none of us expected that to go in. I had him for man of the match, Darren. Without the goal going in, I probably would have had him for man of the match anyway. But where did that performance come from? Because he was really good. You know, he was everything we wanted in Thomas Party. You know, he was winning the ball. He was looking forward. He was hitting balls left and right. 30, 40 yard forward passes. The thing that we haven't seen him do all season. Now, I know he was at his lowest ebb. I know the fans hated him. I didn't think he'd play again for us. I thought after that sending off, Arteta would find some alternatives and he would just go. But he was exceptional last night. He was the difference. He run that midfield. And I know you're saying we should get rid of him. How do we get him to play like that every week? That's that's the well, challenge. You, 
Well, you don't, Darren, because we've seen we've got five years worth of CV on this guy. We've got five years worth of experience on this guy. I think what I said in my tweet was I said, so I've given Granite Shack a man of the match. The guy was everywhere. Uh, and that's why he's a prick and he needs to fuck off. Um, the man plays for himself, not the badge. He works his fucking nuts off three times a week when it suits him. Uh, he makes me sick. Well played, Shaka, man of the match. You can fuck off now. <laughs> Which I didn't think he was seemed, to much. seemed to upset a lot. Seemed to upset a lot of people. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Darren. The thing that impressed me most about him, I didn't know that he had that. Like, sorry, not that I didn't know this, but the the degree of concentration that he had throughout the entire game, the defensive clearances, the defensive positioning, the way that he fizz ball and fizz balls into the front three the way that he put balls in front of them. And he said, you go run onto that. I'll put it in the area and you go do the work and you go run onto that. And it's a question I've got for you, Mike. And it's not a question within a question. I promise you it's just going to be a normal question. Oh, um, wait. <laughs> I've got nothing but time. With, with that left-hand side of Tierney, Martinelli and ESR all coming together and playing those one-touch passes, driving Chelsea's defensive defence back, especially the wing-backs back. Do you think that it created an environment for Xhaka to play in where he played really well because of the space that was afforded in front of him? Well, in somewhat, yeah. But I don't think it was a man-of-the-match performance from Xhaka. I just think it's how we should expect Xhaka to play. You know, that is what we want from a midfielder. You know, like I say, this is what we bought Partey for. This is what we want. So, no, I don't think it's sorry, I'm coming out of shot because uh, I'm just putting someone on the floor. Um, no, I don't think it was a man of the match performance. It was a great bit of play. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I rated him in my positives for our three, two, ones that we do. Um, but I think the whole difference was in the, in the actual game itself and the, what the difference was made, the differences were the, um, the Martinelli and Yusaka on the left and right hand side. That was your differences because we actually had runners who wanted to run at defenders and that opened up the whole of midfield. Um, so yeah, it, it opened up Xhaka to play that little bit more and express himself that little bit more. But I just don't, I don't think he was a, a man of the match performance for him, but I still think he's a cunt. Mm. Sorry, I, I had to get Darren, that statement in. <laughs> Darren, I guess the, uh, I guess the sentiment that I put into that, tweet was that he picks and chooses when he wants to play to 100%. And I don't know if you saw the other thing I put up the other day, which was Jamie Redknapp. Now, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of, of Jamie Redknapp, but he said something that I really liked, which is where he said, unfortunately, these Arsenal players, these first-team players, referring to Jackers and referring to Williams, he said, they're not good enough to play at 80%. So they have to be playing at 100% to be effective. He said the problem is is that they don't play at 100% week in, week out. So do you agree, I guess, with that sentiment of what I put in that tweet that why aren't we getting 100% out of Xhaka every single week? And really that's the reason why his time is up at Arsenal because he hasn't been able to apply himself to that level consistently enough throughout his entire time with the club. I mean, maybe it's, you know, we're looking at the wrong way. Maybe Mike's got this right. It isn't that Jack is, when you're, when Jack is playing and he's got no movement ahead of him, no movement from Aubameyang, no movement from Willian, you know, he hasn't got those options. Last night, he, there was movement. I mean, whether Arteta got lucky with uh, the, the forced selection changes he made, 
But suddenly there was movement everywhere. Emil Smith-Rowe finds pockets of space. You know, he finds those spaces to move into. Martinelli is a breath of fresh air, isn't he? He works his nuts off and just scares mm. defenders into, into mistakes. Um, Saka down the other side, always movement. Much as I was critical of Bellerin last week, he was overlapping one side, Tierney the other. There was always a pass on. And I think that's been our issue. You know, there hasn't been a pass on. If your forwards are all standing there hiding, not moving, it's very difficult to put a ball into a crowded area. All he had to do last night was to put it into space because he knew someone would run onto it. I just didn't know that Jack had that quality of vision and passes that he had last night. I thought he really was. I thought it was his best game for the club. And like Mike says, maybe he wasn't his man of the match because there were so many contenders. Fuck me, when have we had more than one contender for man of the match? When have we sat here and talked about our man of the match and think, fucking hell, who are we going to give that to? You know, Leno, because he made one save in a 1-0 defeat. You know, it, it, I just thought he was exceptional. And uh, last night's team was just fun to watch. And I think we mentioned on our Thursday night show, I quite like, I would have absolutely swapped that Europa League side just because it's more fun to watch. Now, I know you can't just drop all of your styles and put all of those youngsters in, but last night was forced on him a bit, and it's fun to watch. We can see a system, we can see some energy, and it was enjoyable watching Arsenal. It really was fun for the first time last night. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Darren, because that's the difference. That, 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 that was the whole difference that made the team that something enjoyable to watch. Like you say, that little pockets of space, that little pockets of bursts of energy, you know, with dropping in Martinelli, Smith Rowe, it just, it changed the whole dynamic of the team and it, it was for the better. You know, we had movement, we had space, uh, we had one-touch football, which we haven't seen for since Bob Fulham. Mm. You know, and it's just stuff like these little pockets of players. It doesn't have to be the whole team, but these little pockets of players. Like we've all been saying that we, really they should get a bit of game time. How long have we been saying, Max, that Arteta needs to change it up a bit? You know, change it. Change the style. I change hope, the play. I hope, Mike, I hope, Mike, that this that Willian not playing because he may have come into contact with someone who may have had COVID. I really hope that is a cover. I really hope like I, I would love to think that these changes that Arteta made weren't luck. They were deliberate. And if they were luck, and if it was because certain players weren't available and Aubameyang wasn't available, I hope that it has at least opened Arteta's eyes to, I don't know, the concept that what he's been saying in his press conference, which is that he picks the teams who are going to give him the best opportunity to win. And I think what he means when he says that in kind of his use of language is he's picking the guys who have the highest, I guess, bar. Like if they play to 100%, they can get to here. And I think what we saw in this game is you don't need to be playing at 100%. You just need to be running at 100%. You need to be trying at 100%. Mike, it brings me to the second player who I want to talk about, which is Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, and now, look, I very much expected after this game to see a huge outcry about Emil Smith-Rowe and people trying to give him man of the match. I didn't think that Emil Smith-Rowe was fucking incredible. What I thought he did was lots and lots and lots of the small stuff really, really well. Pass, move. Pass, turn, pull into space. The first move that we made of the game, Mike, when I knew we were on, is Tierney smashed a ball into Martinelli and Martinelli on the half turn back heeled it into open space where Emil Smith-Rowe made a bent run around him and we got a cross in. First minute of the game. I'm sure like there's a question coming soon, Mike. Well, yeah. I, I, 
I guess the point I'm half pissed as well, so you cunts can go fuck yourself. But I guess the <laughs> I, I guess the I guess the point that I'm getting at within the statement within the question, Mike, is that a, was Emil Smith Rowe necessarily more technical? Was Emil Smith Rowe necessarily better? Or was Emil Smith Rowe simply a different option that moved the ball at a faster pace? Well, no, Emil Smith Rowe was a different option that moved the ball. The thing is, like you said, William was out. You've got Lacazette, who normally plays in that number 10 role, who has been lately uh, underneath Abamyang. But uh, Abamyang didn't play, he was on the bench. And then, so he's put Smith Rowe in there. I don't know. That's like what we've been saying. I ain't got any clue why he's put Smith Rowe in there. By rights, he shouldn't have even put him in there. You know, because Aubameyang's obviously fit. He was on the bench. And then you've got Lacazette, who normally plays in that number 10 role. So he's made that... He's, Arteta's made that slight change. Like I say, he's put Smith Rowe in there to make some sort of difference. He's seen something that we've all been seeing something in the Europa League. So he's like, right. But, but I wouldn't have expected it against Chelsea, but it worked. Mm. This is the, that's the difference. It works. Them little, like you say, them little touches, them little, you know, them one touch, one touch football, the half turn, the full turn, the dragging the defenders into him to it opens up the the wings, you know, because it, it opened up the wings for Martinelli and Tierney to get down, Saka and Bellerin to get down because he's dragging in people to him because he's keeping the ball sometimes at his feet and then he's making a and then he's making a pass. You know, it's it's that little things. Um, yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. Yeah, he didn't do what he did. What he had to do, basically. That's the that was the difference. You see, this is what I we've been waiting for. Number ten. I guess, that's, 10. What I'm trying to get. I guess yeah. that's what I'm trying to get at. It's not like he did anything in the game where he was amazing, but no. he did so many of the small things. He did his job. That was the difference. Well. Yeah, yeah. He did his job, yeah. and that's what we've been waiting for for a long time. Someone to do their job, and we've we had near enough and a full eleven team doing their job yesterday. And that was the difference. And God, it's so refreshing to see. Den for a ruthless gooner. We're going to win the league. Well done. Well done, Den. Well done. Um, oh. Dazza, so I said to you a couple of weeks ago that I thought that Arsenal, because of the lack of creativity in the midfield, required teams to come out and play against them. We came up against the Wolves team, who were very, very structured, sat very, very deep, tried to make us go around them. We looked poor. We came up, a, up against a Mourinho team, against Tottenham, where we tried really, really hard, but they stacked the midfield and packed the box, and we looked poor. Everton got a goal early against us, which allowed Ancelotti to pack six men behind the ball, and we struggled to break it down. In a way, do you think that this suited this particular team more than any of the other games that we played and the guys we were playing? Because Chelsea actually came at us, and it left space for us to pull into and it pulled apart Chelsea's, I guess, their systems. Yeah, I think if you look, uh, our next four or five games are all on paper winnable games, but so have our last six. And uh, we are going to be playing against teams now who are just going to defend. So, yeah, look, playing Chelsea, who are better than us, who are coming out to try and win the game. And I think we should also, I mean, look, you were talking about Emil Smith-Rowe and what he did well. I think he just did well in a system that worked because there was movement everywhere. I think you should look at Lacazette's role in this. I said uh, on uh, the show we did last week that I think Lacazette's probably in his best form he's been in for a long time. He's working hard. His touches are getting better. His confidence is up. So he's he's starting to 
try those passes that he wasn't trying before, where he was just trying to, before, just knock it back five yards. Now he's looking on the turn for the runners down the wing. I thought Lacazette and Smith-Rowe with Martinelli on one side and uh, uh, with Tierney and with Sack on the other side with Bellerin, there was just movement. So it all sort of worked. Yeah? But I think we should, you know, sit down here and not get too excited. If you think about it, we scored three goals. One was a really dodgy penalty. Uh, one was a Xhaka free kick, which we know they're one in a hundred. And then there was a sack of fluke. You know, we still didn't actually create and score any challenges. Which the, which the lad is claiming as well. I loved yeah, him yeah. in his interview. The guy said, oh, it was an accident. Well, he goes, no, I saw him off his line. Fantastic. Like, Good for him. <laughs> no, I, we got a different interview on ours. We got one where he's walking past the screen goes, oh, did you mean he went costed 100%. Yeah, I was watching that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned Lacazette, Darren, because he was the guy who I was going to come to next. So on the Thursday night show, you and I both said, even if Aubameyang is fit, we felt that Lacazette had worked hard enough and done enough to deserve his start in this game. We would have preferred Aubameyang on the bench. I had a really funny moment, Darren, when the camera panned to Aubameyang, I think it was at 65-ish minutes and the third goal had just gone in and Aubameyang was warming up on the bench. Now, a lot of people at this stage on Twitter were saying, oh, bring Aubameyang on. Bring Aubameyang on and let him ice the game. And I actually yelled at the TV and I said, don't you bring that lazy fucking prick on to take advantage of what these 11 men have done for him by doing the thing that he hasn't done for the last five games, which is try and run and move. Um, I just wanted to know kind of what you what you felt about but that. You know, I, thought, I thought the game really suited Aubameyang at 3-0 up. You know, when they're pressing us and we want someone quick, fresh legs to just put one over the top two. I mean, I actually thought it would have been... Do you get why I didn't want it to happen? I can understand, but you've also got to say that these players haven't, you know, because they haven't played, they haven't perhaps got 90 minutes in them. So Smith, Rowe, Martinelli, you know they're going to be changed. You know them. And I just thought with Chelsea really, really pressing us, that's how Aubameyang scored the goals in the cup final. You know, Chelsea are coming at us. There's lots of space Mm. on the pitch couple of quick movements, a ball over to him, he's through one-on-one, he scores a goal. That's what he's good at. What he's not good at is when there's no movement, when there's nothing happening, he's just standing about doing nothing. You know I mean? That's what his season has been. So, yeah, I could have actually seen that as a substitution last night. The manager decided to shore it up a bit, which uh, which also was good, but it meant that we were hanging on a little bit for the last five, ten minutes. And uh, as I said, I've never been so nervous at 3-0 up. I mean, what an incredible feeling to be nervous at 3-0 up. And then they score and it goes to VAR and you think, fuck, yeah, that's a goal. And then they get a penalty. No, fuck, what's going to go on? <laughs> you know? Praise to Bert Leno for saving my grey here. Scunny, we've been, um, I-, I guess, as a collective on the Aspros, I think we're generally fairly moderate. Like, we... we game-to-game, take people's performances on game-to-game and try not not to push too much agenda. But Lacazette is someone who we have been quite critical of. And I think over the last couple of weeks, we have been starting to gently soften to him as he's been playing a little bit better. Um, Did you think that this was a, a, a performance from him which really stood out? Or did you think that this was him doing his role within the team while everyone else kind of made magic around him? No, no. I, I think he's he's another one who played like similar to what we said about ESR. You know, he, he did his job. You know, and this is the thing, and he did his job well in this game. And like you've said before, we've we've noticed him throughout the games that he's been playing in. He's always coming up with like, oh, actually, he didn't play that bad. Oh, he was actually really good. You know, and it's like it's harsh to be. You know, what I mean, you feel harsh 
to criticize him in these games because you think well, actually he wasn't that bad. You know, he's probably just doing his job. And again, he just he was just doing his job. The only thing he was missing yesterday was a goal, I think. You know, because I think I thought he had a really good game. You know, well, he could have had he could have had a fucking goal. If yeah, he was the worst player on the pitch, fucking um, Joe Willock had have just passed the two yard ball to him instead of trying to blaze one over the bar and take the glory. You could see it on. Yeah, like, he was one on one with the keeper as well, like, and he really should he have was like that. fuck you, yeah. like fuck you, Joe. Um, <laughs> and he, and he was one on one with the keeper. Because the keeper screwed yeah, up. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what the worst one was. So Hector Bayerin had quite had quite a good game. I thought Bayerin had quite a good game. Uh, very hard for any. A lot of people have kind of come out and and been trying to give him shit and have a go at him. And you know, fair's fair. He is an up and down player. I think he suits certain systems. He suits certain teams. I don't. I still don't think he's a hundred percent back from his ACL yet either. I don't think he's the whole way there. But that fucking when he goes through, and ESR has a tap in in the first five minutes, if Bayerin just plays the two-yard ball inside him and instead he tries to go through the legs and smash one across the face. I, at that point, I had my head in my hands and I was like, Jesus, this is this is the end of the Arsenal. Um, Dazza, next player, because I'm just rattling through players. So I think it's interesting because there were lots and lots of players did lots and lots of things. And I want to go to a player who you've been uh, not critical of, a player who you've actually been very uh, – what's the opposite of critical? I'm drunk. My brain's fucked. Um, I have. I literally say I've been supportive. If you're going to talk about Mohammed, supportive of El Nenny, of El Nenny. Um, now I thought that I, I have said in a number of tweets, Darren. I think he's found his level, and here's an interesting concept, Darren. I want to know what you think about this concept, right? El Nenny is connected to whoever he is playing with, right? So when he plays with Party, if Party is having a blinder, it raises his level. When he's playing with Ceballos and the two of them clearly don't work, I think it lowers his level. He played today with Xhaka, who had an absolute blinder, and I thought Elneny was clearly the worst player on the pitch by an absolute mile. I thought he was cowardly. Emil Smith-Rowe, a 19-year-old boy, came back and yelled at him at about the 30-minute mark, screaming at him to play the ball forwards. Where do we stand with... El Nenny now. Uh, have we come back from the idea that he's a possible starter and we're back to what he probably is, which is a very solid squad player, and we move on into the future and find someone better? Or are you still banging the El Nenny as the Egyptian PLO drum? Well, uh, let's get one thing straight. I've never said that. But what I have said, and I've said <laughs> it again and again and again, is that people write off players very early. Yeah, Players go through bad form. We all have our favourites. We all have our favourites. And what I try to do as a fan, as a supporter, uh, is I watch football. I watch what I, you know, I watch these games and I watch these players. And El Nenny was getting some severe stick at the start of the season. He was not good enough. He's a disgrace. It was it was terrible that this man had come in. And I actually was watching the games, thinking, do you know what? Nobody's playing that well. And he's actually performing to a, to a standard. You know, he's not ever going to be that great. But he didn't give the ball away. Um, he held possession. He was always available for the defenders to give it to him when we're trying to play out from the back. He was always available. He never hid in games. And he always played it simple. And I referred to him as players that we've had in the past, like uh, Gilberto Silva, where they're not really the stars of the show, but you need players like that to link things up. But everything around him was bad. Now, I wasn't saying he was a great player. 
Um, but he was consistent at least. And I just thought he didn't deserve the stick. And then he had two or three really good games. He's got a fabulous goal in the Europa League. And suddenly, you know, he's, he's okay and people have got off his back. I didn't think yesterday he played very well. I thought he looked nervous for the first time because he's not a nervous player. He always takes the ball. Yeah, my, Toby's, word, Toby's word was cowardly. That yeah, was I think that's unfair. I just think he, he froze a little yesterday. You know, I mean, he, but he's allowed to have a bad game. You know, he's allowed. And he actually got better in that game. He didn't get worse. I think the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, he gave the ball away in really bad situations. But then he sort of, he got into the game a little bit. So let's not say he's the worst player on the pitch. We won yesterday and everyone played well and he probably wasn't as good as the others. But let's not, you know, this is what I'm talking about supporters. In, Get sa- in, saying, that, in saying that, Darren, because what, what, I spoke to Toby briefly on the phone today while we were working out that he didn't take his computer or his fucking microphone where he'd gone with the next three games coming up while he's away. Um, but one of the things that that we kind of spoke about was the fact that maybe El Nenny sitting so deep and being a little bit more cowardly and a little bit more passive actually allowed Shaka to get up the field and not get fucking isolated on the turn on his own defenders as much as he had done. We didn't see Xhaka sort of turning and running back towards his goal. And Toby wondered if on the second watch we might actually look at El Nenny's performance and say, okay, well, maybe you did really just sit maybe you did sit in front of the back two and, and, and turn it into a back three at times. I know on his heat map uh, that came up after the game, he essentially was uh, in where you would expect Hector Bayering to be throughout the entire time while we were out of possession of the balls. So when we were out of possession, he was essentially playing right back, which allowed Hector to go further up the pitch. So I think it's an, it's an interesting conversation. And I often say to people, this is why for big games, we'll often watch the game twice. And it's funny when you do watch the game the second time, how much you see. I think this would be a really interesting game to watch twice. Um, but, Darren, while I've got you, it's I, I think it's quite interesting that last week, I can't remember if it was on the Ars Bros or on the Thursday night show. I can't keep track of how many fucking shows we do. But you and I had a big old rant about how good we thought Holding was and how we thought Holding was a player for the future. And how we thought Holding should end up with the captain's armband. And I thought Rob Holding, Darren, in this game, was just about the best player on the fucking pitch. I thought he was brave. I thought he got rid of everything. Uh, I, I, And then I, I turned on to Twitter and saw so many people sitting there saying, didn't Rob Holding have a good game? Didn't Rob Holding have a good game? And I thought, he's been fucking doing it all year. I think oh, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a point for me, Max, just to shut you up for a minute. It's a point for me is that, uh, <laughs> is that again, it's about, it's about watching players. I've just seen Ruthless uh, Guna send a message in saying Elneny's the worst player on the pitch, four out of ten. And this is my whole point, is that, look, our players haven't been very good for weeks. Let's get behind them. Let's not slag them off. Let's enjoy a victory. Let's take some positives from this game and not say, well, we were fantastic. We just beat Chelsea. We could have gone second yesterday, 3-1 at home. But Elneny's a cunt. You know, I just think that's that's the wrong thing. And, and when you're talking about Rob Holding, and again, it's about watching football. I think he made a terrible pass in about the first 10 minutes. He gave the ball away. And if that had gone all horribly wrong, then the crowd would have just turned and it's, it's just Holding's useless. What Holding's been doing is playing simple football. He's got an attitude about him that I like. He's got a sort of captaincy about him. He's, he's a tough man. Um, he... he, he says a lot on the pitch. He talks a lot on the pitch. And he did the simple things right. He's not going to be a David Luiz who can hit 30 or 40-yard 
passes crossfield into the corners. But he is a good defender. Let's not go overboard about him. I'm not saying he's the new Beckenbauer, one for the kids there. He's uh, he's um, he's steady and he's doing well within that environment. And he's young. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, well, Darren was in his. No, mid- I, I, I'm going to say about Beckham Bauer was playing, just in case yeah. anyone wants. I was just going to, I was just going to sum up Holden as well for you, quick. I didn't think he had a great game yesterday. Um, oh. I didn't think he pulled off a really solid performance, like Darren was saying. He made a couple of really dodgy passes, and I think sometimes he got unstuck a little bit in defence. But he wasn't necessarily bad, you know. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't. He didn't play horribly. He just made a few errors here and there you know gathered a couple of errors up but uh yeah yeah i'm 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 with you guys on rob Alden. i like him to be fair i think he's very underrated in in times you know where he should be he, he should be getting a lot of praise you know he's can i tell can i tell you something interesting mike quickly so my three scores now three two ones liverpool i gave him plus two city i gave him plus two chelsea i gave him plus two hmm. i mean it says it says it says something to me that in these big games when we're up against it, and I guess in these big games when we are defending, that I think he is our most pure defender. Not the, like like Darren said, he's he's not the the guy who's going to get on the ball and dance into the midfield and spread the ball wide and hit a thirty yard pass wide. But I think he does get into the game and he does love the fight and he does love the challenge. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, well, like I say, he's not without fault. And I think that's that's the problem with Holden for me at the minute. He's not without fault. You know, he's not the perfect defender. And we all know that. The thing is, like I say, he's putting in a good shift. And this is what that's all we're asking for. Mm. You know, that's all and we're asking for as Arsenal fans, putting a good shift. I was reading we've got a four-year contract on the table for him. And it's around the 90K mark. And that, for me, makes me excited because I think that's the right length of contract with the right kind of wages for a player like that. Not let's go give him 120K. Like we give, gave fucking Socrates, came to us on 30,000 euros, and we immediately upgraded him to 110,000 pounds. But I think he's been given a three-year contract with a one-year one year extension in his favour that he can choose to take, and it's on between 90 and 100,000 pounds. I think you'll end up with he, – he reminds me of Steve Bolt in that sense that good enough to be a first-team player but didn't necessarily have to be a first-team player, good enough to be in the squad and around the squad and play lots of games. And I think that's modern football now. I yeah. think modern football is we get so caught up in this idea that you have to have a first 11, that you have to have a solid 11 players. But the season is so long and injuries are so great. It's like Toby and I were having this conversation the other day about Nwanko Kanu. And we were like, was Kanu the greatest substitute of all time? Was Kanu the, the, the greatest bench player for Arsenal of all time? And the funny thing is someone read me up, read me his stats, and his stats starting for Arsenal were poor. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, another player, his stats starting for Manchester United were poor. I know the different players you're talking about, strikers and defenders, but I think that when you've got a guy who's 23, who shows clear leadership abilities, who loves the fight, who's very, very good in the big games when you're off the back of a, where you are in a defensive mindset. I think it's important that you get guys and you get personalities like this in the team. And this is something Manny and I have been talking about for ages. We recruit the wrong personalities. We go and recruit people for their abilities. We don't recruit them on their personalities. And this is what Darren and I were saying last time, uh, I think we are on the Thursday show together. 
Rob Holding is a personality who you want to go and you want to put into your squad and you want to build around. I just think I, I said in a tweet, Mike, that I reckon I I reckon you'll see Rob Holding called up for an England start slot in the next friendlies, in the next international break. I think Rob Holding will get a call up. I don't think he will personally, because uh, but you only got to look at people like John Stones. You know, he was on his way out the door for Man City beginning of this year. You know, no one even wanted him. No one even looking at him. Look at him now. He's he's starting. He's getting game time at Man City. He's pushing that. He's pushing his way back into the squad. And everyone was saying he's done. He's done. You know, there, there was links with him at Arsenal uh, in the summer. And people were like, no, we don't want him. He's crap. He's a liability. This, that, and the other. But now he's putting in shifts. So yeah, it's give people a chance. And I, I agree with that. Give give it time. A quick comment from Humbo Gumble. Darren, as you mentioned last week, Adams wasn't the player he became when he left the Arsenal. I think he means Holding when he joined the Arsenal. Better. When he started with the Arsenal. Uh, Holding, Holding will get better more so if he gets protection from a kosher midfield. <laughs> oh, hello. Uh, just as a couple of comments there. I mean, that one, of course... Um, what my point of those who didn't listen last week, I watched Tony Adams from his debut right the way through all his career, most of his games, home and away. Tony Adams for his first three or four years at Arsenal was a was not a great player. He was a very lanky, spindly, six foot two inch, uh, skinny guy. But uh, but he beca- he was a captain from the moment he joined the club. You know, he from he played alongside David O'Leary, who a record appearance holder at the club. 32, 33 years old probably at the time, and Adams was 17. And from the moment Adams walked across the pitch, he would tell O'Leary what to do. He would demand from other players. But it took him three or four years to become the great player he was. And in fairness, he didn't become a superstar player until Wenger took over at the end of his career when he made him play some football. So let's not throw our toys, let's not get too excited about holding, but at least he's got the right attitude and he's he's playing quite well. There's another comment from Ruthless Gunnar saying, I'm not slagging El Nenny off, I just think he wasn't that good yesterday. And, And Ruthless, I'm not picking on you, really, I'm not. I'm just saying, but the fact that you're saying he's the worst player on the field, I'll give him four out of ten is slacking him off. You know, it is. It's I'll saying pick, I'll, he was I'll, terrible. Pick on, I'll pick on Ruthless. He's a fucking Parramatta fan. So, yeah. you, um, you, uh, you, you, you blokes not, not, might not know what that means, but Parramatta fans are fucking scum. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, we're back on the Rugby League mattress show. Um, Kai go. Chen says, we shouldn't be resigning, holding to that, uh, re-signing, holding to that kind of contract. We should be selling him next summer. Garbage, Kai. Garbage. Garbage. Now, now there are players that I think we should sell. But if you got them on a reasonable wage, this is the issue is we've got too many players on too much money who we can't sell because they're not good enough. You know, Mustafi, Kalasniak, uh, um, uh, um, Socrates, they're all on too big a contracts for the standard of player. But if we, you can always sell holding when he's under contract. That's how we sell players. That's how you make money. The problem that we have is all of our players 90, that running 90, down their contracts. 90,000 pounds a up on a free. Ninety thousand pound a year, Darren, is not insane. No, no, that's uh, what I'm saying. It's not insane. I, I, I think I think I think ninety thousand pound a year is a good contract for a decent player who's going to be in and around your squad, who's young. Um, I, I just don't agree with that. Uh, Dazza, we've I've got a question for you as well. If you've run out of questions, no, no, I've got a couple more. But you <laughs> fucking go for it, mate. Uh, when we did a show you're about real, a month, you're the real host of this show, anyway, Darren. You're, you're the one, did, you're sorry, one with four million, four million podcasts underneath his belt. 
What I was going to say to you is we were on a show about four weeks ago, I think the Thursday night live show that we do uh, on a Thursday or a Friday if you're in Australia. Um, you you said we were coming up, we had three games. I can't remember who they were, Burnley, uh, Southampton and whatever the other one was, Everton. And you said that if Arteta only gets one point from those three games, he should be fired. And those are your words. You know, you said, if we only get one no, point. Not, and not what no, I said. Listen, not let me what ask I, the question. Not what, not what I said, but I'll come back when you're done. Not what I said. Uh, you said, we were talking about it. I said we'd win those three games. I was absolutely wrong for a rare time in my life. And you and we were asked the question on that about whether Arteta should stay or go. We looked at the next three games and you said, I think we're only going to get one point out of those. And you were right. And I don't think Arteta uh, can stay. And now we got one point from those three three games. Do you still think that Arteta should leave the club? Uh, no, because that's not what I said. What I said was I, I felt that if you only got one point out of the next three games, it would be remiss of the club to not start looking at what was available on the market, was what my actual words were. Um, and I don't believe that this Chelsea game is reason to all of a sudden feel like this is a massive turning point. Uh, we were poor up until Manu, went and played really well at Manu. And again, Darren, on the Thursday night show, which, believe it or not, is on a Thursday, uh, you and I spoke about the Aston Villa game. It was that a dig at me because I put mine on Wednesday and it's meant to be on Friday? <laughs> no, no, it's a dig at It Darren. was Christmas he's, Day, you fucked He's an old gun. What do you do? You've gone off camera. You're fucking having a quick masturbate while we're fucking no, talking to each other. No, my camera's fucking... It keeps cutting out. That's why, I'm a, that's why I keep going oh, onto this screen. So I'm just like, you know what? What happens when you're it. on that HD you porn when you're fucking... You, you're trying to meet the porn stars that you love so much? Mate, you got to... Mate, you gotta get nothing them. wrong with that. Why is that such a problem for you? <laughs> At least I'm meeting porn stars, not some fucking crack whore on a street corner. Mate, I haven't slept with a crack whore for years. Years. Well, you look never. like one, that's why. I never paid her either. I fucking did a runner. <laughs> I think we've done off topic slightly. Uh. Darren, what I said was that I thought it would be remiss of the club. <laughs> not to, I thought it would be remiss of the club not to start looking at new managers if he got that points return. And I don't believe that just because we've had a win against Chelsea, all is rosy. I have said from the start, I am not Arteta out. My preference would be to see him there until 2021. What I do hope very, very dearly, is that what he's seen in this game has crystallised what so many Arsenal fans have been saying for so long, which is that we don't need names, we need effort. At this stage in the season, what we need is running. At this stage in the season, what we need is people who care, people who want to fight for the badge. I hope that's what we see running into the next game, because I'm very worried for the next game, because I think we're going to come up against a team again who are going to sit deep. And I think when teams sit deep against Arsenal, they force us into wide areas where we're not fantastic. And I can see a low-scoring draw. I can see a 1-0 or a 1-1. I don't think we'll lose, but I think we'll draw. But I don't think, you know, as, as the ruthless Gunnar said at the very top of the show in his comment, you know, Arsenal, for, Arsenal to win the Premiership or Arsenal to make Champions League football. I don't believe that all is rosy. I'll tell you one thing that I find really interesting, Darren, is that people keep talking now about Rafa Benitez because he's available. 
And I had said prior to Mikel Arteta taking the job that Rafa Benitez was actually my preferred manager. I thought at this stage in the club, we wanted an old head, a cool head, someone who would come in and organise us, someone who would make us defensively strong, as someone who understood the market, understood how to work a board, understood how to work the media, someone who didn't need to learn. Interestingly enough, a, a very close friend to the podcast, Dan Potts, he's been saying, look, Rafa Benitez is available, let's go get him. And I said to Dan in the message today, you realize Rafa will just come in and do exactly what Arteta did when he took over. He'll come in, he'll set up, he'll go defensive, and he'll make us hard to beat. So I, I don't know what the, the outcome is, Darren. I don't know what the best thing to do is. But what I do know is making a knee-jerk reaction now and taking someone who is purely available and is different to Mikel Arteta doesn't sound like a smart business move. It doesn't sound like a move towards the future. We're not getting fucking relegated. And maybe finishing 13th or 14th is the best fucking thing that could happen to this football club. We'll be top six. No, I, I've got to agree with you there, Max, uh, with that. Because I said it on uh, my podcast. I think me and Toby was talking about it on the Friday Arse show a couple of weeks ago. We were saying even if we do sign a manager now, if we go for the likes of someone like Allegri, the Simeones, even the Rafa Benitez's, the problem is, is they're going to want some they're going to want in a cash injection mm. and that's the thing that uh, uh, they're going to want that 150 200 million cash injection straight away because they're going to want their own players mate if allegri comes in he'll want 400 million he'll want to sack everyone from the fucking physical yeah. down all of his team all of his boys all of his assistants and he won't want to be fucking going through edu i'll tell you that much exactly you want yeah exactly and that's a different fucking stupid that's idea and the way we're set up, yeah, that's what I mean. And the way we're set up as well, with obviously Arteta's going through Edu and Edu's going through Viani and then Viani's going to the board. And that, that's the way we're set up. So someone else is going to have to lose their job. So it's either going to be Edu or Viani or Vini. I can never fucking get his name right. It's fucking Vini, you fucking Vini. Oh, fuck you, you. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> so one of them two is going to have to lose their job and that ain't going to happen. Yeah, so this we, is why we, our structure has changed. Off. This is yeah, the structure exactly. that we're moving forward in. This is why I didn't like that Arteta got made manager after the FA Cup because it doesn't make sense for the structure. The structure worked no. with a head coach. Leave him as fucking head coach. All he did was win an FA Cup, and I'll tell you what, he was fucking lucky. There was a lot of luck in winning those games. He got the team up for it, but there was luck in winning those games. He had Aubameyang firing at the right time. Uh, the balls went in for us. I, I don't know if... People remember that Liverpool game. People have this this weird fucking concept of what that Liverpool game was. Was it the City game? Whichever fucking one. But they had about 85 fucking chances to do us, didn't, and we went down the other end and scored. Darren, I've, I've, I've drawn breath. But something I wanted to ask you was, did all of Mikel Arteta's luck that he hadn't had in the last couple of weeks all come in this game? A penalty yeah, that wasn't a penalty. That was a big, big a free kick that got smashed. A, a the only note I've written in. down was... It's the only note I've written down before I started today was we were lucky. Um, but, you know, he got his luck towards the end of this season and nothing has gone right today. We've let in goals in the first five minutes in all games. Scoring first was so key to us in this game. If mm. we'd have let in a goal first, the game would have been completely different. The heads would have dropped. Scoring first is something we need to do more, you know, and, and we haven't looked like doing it. Yes, there was some luck in this game, but we also played well. We, we made a bit of luck in this game. We created chances. 
you know, those people who slagging us off against Tottenham the other week for putting in 40 crosses. Fuck me, I'd rather see us put in 40 crosses and not score than just sit back and not know what to fucking do and play the ball backwards and sideways. So, Ex- yeah, get some luck. Exactly. I agree Come with on. that one. Why the hell not put bloody crosses in the box? At least you're putting chances in. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, you know, you could have hit the right person. Coming up against a flat back six. I mean, Mourinho stacked. Off. Look at the game he played against Liverpool. At like twenty nine percent fucking possession, and Liverpool couldn't break them down. So how the fuck are we meant to break them down? Fucking Mourinho, exactly. cunt. Yeah, well, I think you know the wheels have come off that bus a bit as well. Chelsea have lost three out of four. Spurs have lost three out of four. You know, I mean, I know I just sort of said a little bit tongue in cheek. We'll finish top six, but nobody's running away apart from Liverpool. And we're not going to catch them. Uh, we're not going to win the league this year. You know, we're not. Aaron, if we finish, t- if we finish top six, I will buy you a pound of weed. Pound. I'll make okay. you that joke. I- I'm pound. sure that's. I'm sure that means something in Australia. I don't know. As a clean living guy, I've got no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the guy, the guy who fucking held up his "I love weed" badge. Yeah, somebody gave me a little gift that said oh, "I love weed," yeah. and I just happened to have it on my desk. Which is all. Look, I love crisps. <laughs> oh, we got an angry face emoji. Captain Osaji, give us an angry face emoji. Drop in the comments, Captain Osaji. Tell me what you're angry about. We never get angry face emojis. I mean, we're a pack of fucking cunts, but I'd be interested to know what your opinion is, what you're upset about. Who's that? I can't see that one. No, it's uh, only I can see it, mate. I'm in control. This is my oh, podcast, you? not yours. No, Fuck off. Right. <laughs> it loves being in control, this one. You're not even in control <laughs> of your bladder. Uh, uh, guys, guys, let's talk about Gabrielle Martinelli just quickly. Uh, Scunny, I, I guess a lot of people think that Gabrielle Martinelli had this amazing, amazing, amazing game, and so many people gave him man of the match. And he actually didn't execute particularly well in this game. But the thing he provided that no one else has provided this year is, what word would you use? Spark? Dynamite? Rocket fuel? He was fucking... I put him as my man of the match on my 3 two ones, mate. I thought he was well-deserved because the, what he did was provide a difference in the team. He moved forward. You know, we haven't had someone on... You know, we, we don't tend to have that that often. He was pushing the team forward. He was dragging in players towards him. He was taking on players. Yes, he didn't get a goal, but it's, it was the other things that he did that he did he did right. You know, he pushed forward so much that even Tierney could move forward so much. His just whole game is... It's like a breath of fresh air in our club at the minute because this is what we've been wanting. This is what we've been waiting for. I was a bit worried at first when Martinelli started to come back. I thought, we can't pin our hopes up on a 19-year-old kid. Yeah. But when you look at how he played against um, uh, Everton in that first half, it's like, Jesus Christ, this kid is unreal. And then you go again... Well, yeah, like Kai says there, Martinelli is a force of nature. And then you put him in against a Chelsea team. I was at the last Chelsea away game when he played there and he left Kante reeling on the floor and putting a goal. So I was, and then it's like, and then when you watched him in this game, it's the same thing again. He's just taking on people. He's a 19-year-old kid with no respect to any other player on the opposite team. He don't give a toss who you are. Mate, no, He's no, going, no, fuck no. you. I'm having you. No silver spoon in that mouth, Scunny. 
you no. know, from fucking no, no. nothing. It's, it's wrong to put a lot of pressure on this 19-year-old kid. But the problem is he don't make it easy for himself to put pressure on him. Mm. But I, I think he can yeah, I think he can take it. That's the difference between him. He can take the pressure. Because, like I say, he's got that don't-give-a-fuck attitude. He will take you on. You could put it, like I say, you put him up against them players at, at um, Chelsea, you know. They, they are some good bloody players there. You've got, um, like I say, you've got Kante in that team. You had Jorginho in in there at, at, at after half time. And they he's taking on these players like they're nothing. They spent a fortune on Timo Werner. He had fucking Timo Werner in his pocket. Timo Werner wasn't even on the fucking pitch compared to... Exactly. Martin. Darren, the, the interesting thing is, I, I guess the thing I'm, I'm trying to get at is, I didn't even think Martinelli executed and he was that good. That yeah, was he looks Martin like his final pass... It looks like his final pass still needs some work. His vision still needs a bit of work. But um, everything that Mike just said, it's and 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 the comments that we just had come in, he is that force of nature. He has single handedly transformed this side. You know, he's given us an energy that we didn't have. And I thought yesterday, the fact he was complimented by players who who also have that lack of fear. You know, because he plays with the lack of fear, Martinelli. And suddenly, you know, I mean, the, the shackles were off yesterday. I mean, let's not get carried away. We were lucky yesterday. Say it again. Dodgy penalty. Xhaka one in a hundred. And a shank from Saka. You know, it, it can I just get a round? Can I just get a round table? It's a fucking cross, right? It's a cross. <laughs> nah, I think he meant it. Bollocks, he fucking did. It's a fucking... <laughs> no, you could tell he went for the shot. Now, listen, there. I reckon he went for the shot. But the problem is he screwed the shot up that much he thought he was going to go over. <laughs> and it ended up going in. And he's like, oh, fucking hell. Do you think it, <laughs> was, you think it was a fucked up shot, Dazza? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was uh, a cross when I saw it. Uh, on review, I think it was a cross. But if the young man says he meant it, Maybe it was a no-look shot. <laughs> you know, like you do no-look Maybe he was looking over in the centre, looking at the players running in, but actually deceived us all when he's a genius. Let's give him some credit. Uh, Joel De Silva, do you think Arteta will be sticking to the lineup we had this morning? No, Joel, I don't. I think squad rotation has to come in. ESR, we're managing his body. Martinelli has now played a reasonable amount of football. I, I like that he got pulled off at 65, 68 minutes because uh, he was blowing out of his ass. But no, I don't think that's what we'll be playing in the next game. Unfortunately, I think we'll probably see, uh, you know, let's get away from the unfortunately. Let's get away from the unfortunately. We'll probably have Sabios will come in for El Nene or Jaka. You know, so that's that's just a bit more energy. Make the Niles could well come in, you know, and play um, right or left. We we do need some changes, but uh, uh, Willian can't play, so that's um, that's hamstr hamstrung him a little. So Willian can't play, and who else can't play? Um, where where the fuck did you read that? Did well, he's, he's, Willian can't play. Well, uh, if if the rooms are right, aren't they? They they've been in contact with someone, so they got to self isolate, haven't they? I thought if you, I thought that if you, that they're allowed to do a test. All they have to do is wait for the test to come back, and as long as they're only a close contact, they're able to play. As long yeah. as the test comes back negative, it, it depends on his test, though, doesn't it? That's that's the difference. I think I think there's tests now that it'll tell you in half an hour uh, in the UK at the minute now. So he could play. He might. I I can't see him play now. If he plays Willian, for I'll me, tell you what, I'll tell you what, Mike. Regardless. I don't think I'd be starting Martinelli in the next game. Otherwise, you can't talk about Party being brought back too soon and getting an injury and that blowing the season 
and then be talking about Martinelli coming back from knee injuries that we've seen other players just not bounce back from at the same level as him and say, I'm going to put him out again in the next game. You've got a squad. Use your squad. No, no. what I was going to say was I don't think he should be playing William. You know, you, we have still got Saka who can play on the right or the left side. You've got Aubameyang with Lacazette playing well up front. Why don't you put back, Aubameyang back on the left? He didn't do too bad on there. Mike, I fucking tweeted it. I said, I reckon the front three will be Aubameyang on the left, Lacazette through the middle, and Pepe or Saka on the right. Yeah, that, that, that'd work for me. You know, the last thing we need right now is another passenger is we what we say we don't need a passenger in this squad we've got momentum now in some respects you know we've beat a good team we've beat a good chelsea team we need to keep that momentum going we, we can't did drop that at man U. we did that at man U. no we no no you see that, that, the difference is with man U. Is, i don't think i don't think man U, man U game was completely different um the man U game you could tell we didn't really want to win the game and man U didn't really want to win the game that was the difference for me. Whereas this game that we've just played, Chelsea were going for it. We were going for it. You see, when if you look back at the Man U game, no one really wanted wanted it. No one gives a shit. And we ended up getting a penalty and we ended up winning. But no one really wanted to win the game. You could tell by the body language of the players. No one was really up for it. Whereas you think you go back, you think, uh, go to an Old Trafford. Yeah, you want you want your players to go to Old Trafford and think, fuck it, we're going to go for it. But we didn't have that at this last Man U game. We didn't have that. Whereas this game, we did. There was a bit of fight in both teams and you could tell. And I think that's the difference, isn't it? I disagree, Mike. I thought Manchester United, the first 20 minutes, our attitude was so different than it had been for... It came out of the blue, that first 20 minutes. I mean, look, we weren't very good and we only scored a penalty and we were hanging on a bit towards the end. But I thought that first 20 minutes against Manchester United, we were making tackles, we were making challenges. We were first to to every second ball. I thought we were we were good. The, the sad bit was it was a bit of a false dawn because as soon as we played the next game, we sat there and we... we wasn't it the Aston Villa game after that? And we... Yeah, we got it was back. almost like we decided that uh, we've won at Old Trafford. It, it's all fixed. It's all sorted. Didn't put in any effort against the, in, against Aston Villa and got humiliated. Worst game of the season the most, for me by a stretch. The most mm. embarrassing... We have lost games all season, but I've only been embarrassed once this season, and that was the Villa game. Yeah. Sorry, Kai Chen just posted up a comment, and he's right. Um, it is very early for me in the morning here. I've only just woken up, and I got very drunk last night, as, as Max hinted at. Um, but you're right. Gabriel, uh, Gabriel's out because of COVID, and the other two were sick. Willian uh, was sick. I can't remember who the other one was now, but they, they are sick. So, you know, we've got games thick and fast. Whether you can actually recover with energy to play in two, three days' time, I'm not sure. So well, I, I think... said at the start of the podcast, I kind of hoped that that was cover for I dropped them. I, I kind of, that, that was what I hoped when I heard it. The the press conference was weird because they said, oh, Willianne and, uh, and Louise, are they both connected to the same COVID scare, obviously, because they're all Brazilian. And, I just need to, and... sorry, mate. Well, before I forget this point, it's just that we've been slagging off Willian, and look, I'm with everyone on this one. I think he's uh, he's been a little bit of a disappointment yeah. because he was a very, very good player at Chelsea. My Chelsea mates said, you've got a really good player there. He's consistent. He's good. Every time I've watched him in a Chelsea shirt, he's been dangerous. He's been good. And since he's come to Arsenal, he's been disappointing, you know, because we haven't seen that spark. We haven't seen that energy. Um, we've seen very little from a player that has promised so much. However, back to my point that I always make, watch the football, 
And in the second half of the last match, William probably had his best 45 minutes that he'd had for the club. I gave him positive too, Darren. And yeah. all of these cunts in the arse bros called me a fucking idiot. I said he well, was the best just, player let on the Let me say, mate, sorry, you, you talk a lot. Let me just say, is that's the point. Really, everyone, watch the football. Watch the players, you know. I've been banging on the El Nen. He's been okay. He's been okay. Not brilliant, but he's been okay. Everyone hates him. Lacazette. Everyone's written Lacazette off. Lacazette is going through a good run of form at the moment. Appreciate it. We haven't seen much from Willian, but Willian's last 45 minutes for Arsenal was probably his best 45 minutes. So let's just write players off. They go in and out of form and we might see the best of him yet. And let's look I'm at not, someone... I'm like not writing him off. You've talked enough. Um... <laughs> I'm not writing him off. What I'm saying is, I think we need to carry on with this momentum of, you know, it's these this group of players have just beaten Chelsea, and I think we just need to keep that run of form, that run of uh, what do you call it? I can't remember the bloody word now. I had it a minute ago, and it's just gone. It's still early for morning for me, and I was a bit pissed last night as well. To be fair, so <laughs> well, you, Mike, I think um, it'd be really nice if we can play this side again. It would be nice, but we've got games. It would be. I, un I understand about rotation. I get that. We do need to rotate, and I agree with Max. I think Martinelli. Yeah, maybe put him on the bench for this next game coming up. I think it's Tuesday um, against Brighton. Stick him on the bench, and then bring him bring him on. Don't burn him early don't, in the last time. Don't, don't fucking burn him out out of out of necessity. Don't give him another. That's one. Thank you, Kai. Momentum. I think we need to keep this momentum going. And the last thing we need right now is to bring on. Yes, okay. Willian had a great second half, and it was his best second half since Fulham. That's not really consistent. And I think we just need to keep, like I said, like as like I said, and like I was trying to say, momentum. We need to keep pushing that momentum forward. We've got to the point now where we can start saying, right, we need to keep going. We need to keep moving forward. What I don't want us to see is what we did, like you said, against the Man U game. We we, we beat Man U and then we got absolutely battered by Aston Villa. That's I don't a, want a, to see a, that. It's a, weird, it's a weird fucking game, though. That Villa game is a weird game. I, I just think that if Xhaka well, can come this out... This is Arsenal at the minute, mate, and we're playing like know, this at the minute. I know. But if Xhaka can come out and put a performance in like that and we're questioning about whether or not maybe the movement around him allowed him to play that way, I would ask the same question about Aubameyang and I'd ask the same question about Willian. You know, if there is more movement, Shaka has been fucking terrible behind Willian. I, you know, I wonder if you put Willian into that game, Max, which is open. Max, and maybe, you know, we've, we've talked about Xhaka was good because of the movement around him. That's what we all said at the start of the show. However, maybe it's because he had a three-game rest. Maybe he's just been overplayed. You know, nah, maybe that was it. He's had a break. professional footballer. He's a cunt. Fuck off. That's bollocks. Okay. <laughs> I agree there. Sorry. <laughs> so do I. I uh, you, get, you, get, you get fucking I paid. Ask can get an intelligent response rather than fuck off. He's a cunt. You know, we can get anybody on to say that. <laughs> well, you're not going to get an to that one. Not on ass, bros. You're going to get. You, he's no, a have, you, have you seen how many glasses of wine I've had? And I was pissed when we started. So <laughs> it's all going to go downhill. Um, Boys, any final words from you? I think we've covered off pretty much everyone. We've, we've spoken to everyone. Obviously, uh, you know, anyone who thinks who's still banging on about the Martinez uh, shouldn't have been sold. Fucking Leno's a piece of shit. You're obviously a cunt and you can fuck off. Um, but anything else, boys, that you, you wanted to cover? Any thoughts, any final thoughts? Go nuts. The floor's yours. Put a question within a question within a statement. I won't be you, Mike. You, uh, you got anything to say? 
Uh, yeah, I would just want to say something about Leno as well. I think, yeah, it wasn't a great penalty, but fuck you, you fucking Leno haters. <laughs> that was a great save, and he did well yesterday, and he did well against a big team. Back him, Martinez is gone. For fuck's sake, let it go. Seriously, let it go. And not only just that, I think I want to try and cover something as well. This isn't just a complete fluke of run of form. Like me, Max, and I think Toby have been saying it for quite a while. We've been playing really well over these last games, like these last few games. Yes, we've lost. We lost against Everton. We lost against Tottenham. But we've been playing really well. You know, it's not just a, it's not a fluke. I don't think. I think it's just come to that point is where we've actually finally got our luck again on our side on this game and beat Chelsea. Go on, Darren, I'll leave it for you uh, now. Okay, mate. Look, I mean, I have not much to add. I think we have covered everything and the podcast gone over an hour, which is always uh, which is always the limit. I mean, I guess my message is more, let's not get carried away, but let's just enjoy it. I'm always a positive Arsenal fan. I think going into this game, most people thought we would lose. We didn't. And I love the fact that we kept going. We didn't just sit deep. We actually kept going. We had more chances in the second half than they did almost. You know, there's they put lots of crosses in, but we defended pretty well. It's got us defending pretty well. Let's not get carried away, but let's just enjoy it. It's so much more fun winning football games. I really loved mm. it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. God, isn't it just? Enjoy, enjoy the good things, guys, and stop concentrating on the bad things. The way I see this Arsenal team, though, this is like the yearly blowjob that I get. It comes out of nowhere. I didn't expect it, and I always hope that there's going to be more. Unfortunately, in my experience, it does end up usually being just a yearly blowjob. Uh, Merry Christmas to all you fucking degenerate cunts in the chat. Humbo Gumble, Ruthless Guna, Kai Chen, Joel De Silva, Kieran Garner, uh, fucking who else in here? Someone else in here. <laughs> Poison just... Sprocket. Poison Sprocket. You've been in here as well. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. And um, hopefully, I'm oh, fucked up and pressed something I didn't mean to press. And um, hopefully, this is the start of something fucking fantastic. Hopefully, this is the start of a great run of form and we end up getting into the top 10. Um, Six. And if it's not, if it's not, <laughs> fuck it. We'll be back next week to call El Nenny a cunt, to call Xhaka a cunt call Aubameyang a cunt, call Lacazette a cunt, and most of all, we'll be back to call you a cunt because you're a fucking ass bros listener. And if you're here listening to this, it means you're a cunt. Good night. Morning.